0: quick announcements. First of all, you can be turning to uh, uh, Genesis, excuse me, Exodus chapter 3. Now there's a handout that goes with this message this morning and uh, raise your hand if you don't have one. You say, I missed that. I don't have the handout. Please raise your hand. Anybody right over here? Brother Brian and Brother Cotterman. Anybody over on this side? Okay. You know what? Uh, there's a limited offer on these and the sale's going to be over right after we get rid of the last one. No. There you go. I have to be careful what I say because this is being beamed out all to the far edges of the parking lot. (laughs) All right. I think that's it. Thank you for your help. Message this morning is pictures and places on our path to glory. And so with this handout, just give a listen as we're doing the introduction here. This is the path of the Exodus, on the bottom there, when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt and headed to the Promised Land. This geographical route places the, that Israel went and traveled on their journey. But it's interesting that the Lord, who is infinite in his wisdom, The route and the places that we're going to look at is not only true historically of the Israeli exodus, it's also true of the journey you and I as believers are on now during our lifetime. So it's like the near and the far, the far and the near. So this isn't something just about the the dusty past, it's about uh, you and I today. With the understanding, as Brother Kottam prayed, it applies only to those of us who know Jesus Christ with a, we really know, no, no, no salvation. A no salvation, yes. And uh, I hope it is true of you that when we're on vacations, we take pictures of the places we see. Real pictures, not selfies. We know what selfies are. 327 different angles of the same face. Okay? I'm talking about real pictures and real places before Selfies in veined sanity. Uh, That's that's the end of that. We're going to keep moving on right now. Turning serious now, you and I are on a journey. Israel was on a journey, but here it is. When we're looking at these and applying it to us today, you and I are on a journey from when we were lost to when we go home. That's the journey each and every one of us is on. As you can see here, uh, we have two things where you need to fill in. The pictures are at the top, the places are at the bottom, and when we come to these, and I'm going to be moving kind of briskly, so when we come through these seven numbers, I will give you the place first, and then you can fill in the pictures up there and look at the verses. So let's begin right now at the bottom, number one. The first place, if you want to fill that in, is Egypt, is Egypt. Egypt is pictured for us as hell. It's a representation of hell or the lake of fire. The pharaoh at that time, now if you watch the Ten Commandments with Joel Brenner, it's Ramses, but you, we, we don't put our faith in Hollywood, but we put our faith in the Holy Word. and There's a difference there. So uh, the pharaoh back then was one by the name of Amenhotep II. If somebody stops you on the street and asks you who was that, you know, you got it right there. Amenhotep II, and he is a picture of Satan. He's the ruler. He's the picture of evil. And of course, what was the children of Israel doing there in Egypt? They were slaves. They were in bondage. And that's the picture of people who are lost and in their sin. And so when you get that place and what it represents, again, Egypt is hell, Pharaoh is the devil, and sin and being lost without hope is the slavery and the bondage that they faced. And the picture then as we're going to take is the picture of what this gives us is the picture of condemnation. Now you are in, I've asked you to turn, if you've not done it yet, please do it right now, Exodus chapter 3. And uh, quite a few passages, as I've jotted them down there, so I want to get through these. I want to make relevant comments and then move on because of the sake of time. And I hope a lot of you have read this because we can't read the entire chapter, so I'm just reading uh, the portion of the chapter that really is the heart of what it is I want to share. Now in chapter 3, let's go to verse 7, reading down to verse 10. The Lord said, he's talking to Moses. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who or which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, and to the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Then the next verse we're just going to run over real quickly to chapter 5 of this book, and just want to read the first two verses because it shows the animosity, it shows the smugness and the arrogance, because in that ancient day, the most powerful person on planet Earth was the Pharaoh of Egypt. Amenhotep II, you're with me, in chapter 5, the verse 2 verses. And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. That's Satan for you. That's the devil. Doing everything he can to thwart the will of God. Now, that is the condemnation. I want us now to notice on the map that they're going to be leaving Egypt and they're going to be traveling up number two. That's the, the place called Rameses. R-A-M-E-S-E-S. That's a city. And we're going to see shortly that's close by where way back in the days, remember when Joseph was down there and uh, he was a very straight ruler of the, of the, uh, the people there. Made him a ruler. Where's, where's Dan in here anywhere? There he is right there. Dan, thank you for that insight and that, that thing about the straight ruler of their a vizier. Back in those days, remember, Jacob had thought that his son had been dead and killed. But Joseph, after talking to his brothers, they said, go up get my dad, brothers, come on down, we're in these seven years of plenty, then the seven years of famine, come on down. And they came down, and that was that land of Goshen. And if you look at this little map here, that city of Ramesses, that would have been that area. That was always the area where the Jewish people were at. As slaves for all those centuries, that's where they kind of lived there, in that part of Egypt. Now, The second word, then, about Ramses is a very important word to us. It's the picture of salvation. The picture of salvation. So would you turn with me, please, to Exodus chapter 11. Now, we fly through all the time of the judgments. Don't have time to look at all of that. When we arrive in chapter 11, we've come to the last judgment, the last plague. And in verse 11, or excuse me, chapter 11, I would like to pick up and read into your hearing, starting in verse 4 through 7, as hopefully it's jotted down on your list. Verse 4, And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. Verse 7. But against any of the children of Israel not shall not a dog move his tongue. Against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Now we want to go to chapter 12. We go through this time, you know, we're coming to this last great plague. Chapter 12 is the chapter in Exodus of the salvation of the Jews when they leave Egypt in this great exodus. So now in chapter 12, still in this area of salvation in Ramesses, we pick up in verse 3. Speak ye, God speaking to Moses, unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their father, a lamb for a house. Verse 5 Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Verse 7 And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts, on the upper door post of the house, wherein they shall lead it. An invisible cross. Folks, you've probably heard that, I hope. Verse 8 And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Verse 12 and 13. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Running down to verse 22 and 23, and ye shall take a bunch of a hyssop, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of this house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And after that took place, the last verse for we're reading uh, reading for this uh, area of salvation is 37. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses, that's that city, that's where the Exodus begins. You can see that on your map down there. It was a city that was on one of the branches in the Nile Delta. It was actually a part of the Nile River. And you can see whereas when they were from Egypt, where uh, Amenhotep, Amenhotep would set up in Ramesses, now they're going to be going down in a direction southeast toward what is the next place. The next place we call the number three is. The Red Sea. Now, the word for the Red Sea, we've so far had condemnation. That's if you're belonging to Satan. That's if your home is going to be hell. That's where you're in your, your bondage and you're, you're slaves to sin and to the devil. But in Ramses now, this is the night they're going to leave. This is the night that they're going to be freed And they have to have a different identification. They're no longer going to belong to Egypt. They're not going to be a slave of Pharaoh anymore. Their shackles, their chains are going to be taken off of them. They're going to have a new identification. Now then, we want to go to Exodus chapter 14. So condemnation, salvation, now identification. Verses 1 through 4. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Hepaharoth, between Migdal and the sea, over against Baal-Zephon, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, (laughs) They are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, And he shall follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So Pharaoh thinks he's going to get them back. That's that's his plan. Uh, Also, that in chapter 14, as we're going here, uh, we want to go down to verses 21 through 31. And folks, this is where that identification comes through, not only back in the 14th century B.C., but it asks the question of the people at Berean Baptist Church on a day in November of 2023. What's your identification? Verse 21, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. But notice verse 22. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea. When we are saved as Christians and after we are saved we're told to make a public witness of our new identification in Jesus Christ we go into the waters of baptism. And the pastor... I. When I used to baptize people, I'd say, hey, this is the old person. This is the person before they were saved. They gave public testimony. But I would cover their nose and I would say before, but now there's a new identity. And we would say, you know, uh, put down, or what's the word, Uh, lowered into the likeness of his death, raised in the newness of his life. They started going down lost in the picture as they come with a new identification. And notice right here, here we go. And the uh, verse 22 is where we're at here. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us free, uh, flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, And the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. And all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, there remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant. Real quickly, real quickly, they have this new identification. And what is it? It's simply this. They are identified with the blood of the Lamb. When God sees them, he sees the blood of the Lamb. And his judgment upon them is salvation, not destruction. Now something I don't want to get all theological here, but I am going to get just a little bit theological. Why couldn't it have been where Pharaoh and his army and his chariots and everything also came through on the dry land? And, and you know, uh, both sides are now on the other side of the Red Sea, and they have a battle there, and the Israelites win? And Pharaoh and his soldiers are killed in the battle. Because that wouldn't be the picture we want. When you're in Egypt, being lost, you are controlled by the old man, the old nature. That's who you are. You're lost, condemned, unclean, without hope. Once you place your faith and trust in the blood of the Lamb and you're identified with that, And you go through the waters of baptism. Now Egypt, hell, now Amenhotep, Satan, now slavery, your sin and your condemnation hath nothing on you anymore. That used to be your master. But now you have a new master, a loving master, the son of God, the lamb of God who shed his blood. And that's why they could not come over God said, no. Now, we still are in the flesh. We can still choose to sin. But hell and Satan and sin has nothing on you anymore. Praise God. So that is very important that you understand they had a new identification with Moses and the living God. But we have a new identification because God sees us in Jesus Christ. Wow. Now we need to move on. Now, you notice on your map down there, I like maps. I've got a Rand McNally at home, you know, one of those eight shit old paper maps kind of a thing, you know. I got it right there next to my blackboard. So if you're at the Red Sea and your goal is to go up to number seven up there, to go up there to cross over into the promised land, Where do they go from number three? They head down to number four, which is, if you want to write it down, after the Red Sea comes Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai, the picture we're going to take there, number four up above, is perfection. Now, i got to tell you something. If I was going to leave here today, and I said, hey, I'm heading up to Chicago, and you said, I need to get to Chicago. Could I grab a ride with you? I said, oh, sure, hop in the car. So I leave the church, Go down to the corner at the light, turn left, get into the roundabout, and you're waiting for me to shoot down to 65 to head north to Chicago. But I go right by that thing, and now I'm on 25, and I'm heading up to Delphi and Logansport. And you're going to say to me, "Uh, Earl, yeah. Can I just share something with you as gently as I can? Yeah. You're going the wrong way, you idiot. (laughs) Did you say you're going to go to Chicago? Yeah. This ain't it. Back there in the traffic circle. You need to go down to 65. I do? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Why in the world, if you've escaped slavery, and you've been told that God wants to take you to this special land where all these different kind of Canaanites live, and it's a land flowing with milk and honey, why in the world, after you get out of the Red Sea, why would you take a hard right turn and go the wrong way down to Mount Sinai? Because this is why. Remember what we've looked at so far as we said salvation and then comes identification and now number 4 is perfection. Ladies and gentlemen, you know here this morning that your identification is with Jesus Christ. But there's a lot of Jews this morning, there are fewer by the day, but there're 16 million Jews in the day that their identification with, is not with Jesus Christ because he's a false messiah. Their identification is with Moses and the law. And may I say there's a lot of also churches that don't fly the Star of David, but churches that have crosses and have pastors and priests and all kinds of stuff like that. And they're telling you if you want to get to heaven someday, part of that's got to be the merit that you deserve by your good works. And what is happening is they're going the wrong way, and God's got a reason. He says, now take them down to Mount Sinai, Because I want them to get a good look at the law. I want them to carefully hear what the law is all about. And if their goal is to get to the promised land, if your goal is to get to heaven, if your goal is to be saved and get to where you need to be, then you have to understand something. The law is not the way you want to go. No, for us today, do we think it's faith plus good works? No. Uh -uh. Certainly not only good works. For the Jewish people, that is, that's all they have. But they go down to Mount Sinai, and now we need to to look at that here. Let's go to perfection. Let's turn over to Exodus, Exodus 19. Now, this is just a little bit before the giving of the Ten Commandments in chapter 20. But two things I want us to see here as we take the picture about perfection. Beginning in verse 4. Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, listen to this, folks, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, that's an absolute, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. He told Moses to tell them that. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded them. Look up again at verse five, just for a moment. Therefore, if ye will obey my voice and keep my my covenant. That's the standard. Now in verse eight. Here's the answer. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Mm -hmm. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Now let's go over to the traditional passage. Chapter 20. Also, look at the last verse there in verse 25. It's going to play a role here in just a minute. Verse 25 of chapter 19 says, so Moses went down unto the people and spake unto them. So he's He's telling them the standards. He's giving them this this conditional covenant. I will do this for you if you do this. You know, I'll bless you up one side and down the other if you obey me. Now we've got those Ten Commandments and we go through those and that's where the focus is at. I I know it at another time. The verse people just kind of fly over and it's a mistake is verse 6. God is reminding them of what he said in chapter 19 of what the conditions are about the law. It's identification of perfection, all right? So he says there, and showing mercy, verse six is where I'm at, unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. If you've been around, you've heard me say this before. There's no such thing. And a lot of churches, pastors, priests say this to their people. Well, God knows we're not perfect, but he looks at your heart And if he knows you're very sincere, and you're doing your very best to serve God by keeping those commandments. When you don't keep those commandments, you know, you can ask for forgiveness. But as long as you're doing good works, and he knows in your heart that you're doing your very best, then that'll give you some points towards heaven. Wrong! Anything you try to get to heaven outside of Jesus Christ, which you call a good work, Isaiah said it's filthy garments. I got, I got some filthy garments. How are those going to work for you? Goodbye. (laughs) So, and this is what we're talking about here, to to, to look at this right now, because it's very, very important, is that you look on the map, you see what you have. You have Ramses up there. That's the people that left Egypt, and they are identified with the blood of the Lamb. The Red Sea is identification. Which team are you on? We said our team is to be identified with the blood of the Lamb. Now you come down to where we're at here and 4. It's not the blood of the Lamb, it's the book of the law. Two very different things. So let me just say this to you. Why did God have Moses take a right turn? And even though you're headed up to the promised land, now you're down here at some mountain in the middle of a desert. Mount Sinai. Because... People have to make the decision. They went the wrong way because God is saying, if you're trusting the law and your ability to keep it, you're going the wrong way. That'll never get you to heaven. That'll never get you to the promised land. So the identification is, here it is. Here's what we know about Jesus, identified with the blood of the Lamb. We read in the scripture, it says... That if the Son of Man be lifted up, he shall draw all men to himself. He was lifted up on a place called Mount Calvary. He is the Lamb of God, and his blood is the means to anyone's salvation. However, if you want to go with Moses, it says he wasn't lifted up after he got the tablets. He came down from Mount Sinai. Jesus went up and was lifted up on Mount Calvary. Moses came down, and he didn't bring the blood of the Lamb. He brought the book of the law. With Jesus as the blood of the Lamb by dying on the cross, he provides us with the perfection that we can have through trusting him. Moses does not do that. Moses just presents the Ten Commandments and says, here you are, here they are, go for it. Every single last one of us will fail. Remember last week, Pastor talked about James, where he says, if you think you're going to be saved by your works, there's that real big misunderstanding about how you know Abraham was justified by faith, but is you know, what's what's it's a manifestation of faith. It says right in that passage, you do well if you think you're going to be perfected by the law. Do you understand? If perfection is the standard, that if you commit one sin, if you break one law, it might as well be that you've broken them all. That's what James says. I'm sure that I'm speaking to the choir here this morning, like, like Brother Dan said, speaking to the choir. I trust there's not a person in this room. We go by the law, not as the means of our salvation, but the law is the mirror of our slavery and our sinfulness. He took those Jews back there so they'd say, oh, yes, we'll we'll do what we can to keep these laws. No, God told Moses to go down there as to get them discouraged and say, well, there's no way in the world we can be saved by trying to keep this law. God demands perfection. And God is saying, that's right. There's no way you can be saved. There's no way you can keep the law. And if that's true about every single last human being, apparently someone who's going to have to come along who will be your Savior. And the one who will be your Savior, when you're cursed by your sin, will be the one who knew no sin, but is willing to become sin for you in your place. So I'm just saying on this map, isn't it coincidental how God set this up back in 1400 B.C.? He said you were condemn- condemnation on your way to hell. I took you up to Ramses. I put the blood of the lamb on there so you'd be passed over. You wouldn't be destroyed by me in the judgment of Almighty God. I sent you down to the Red Sea where you were identified. Not the Egyptians. They were destroyed. Because that's Satan. That's hell. That's lost. That's condemnation. They can't come over the Red Sea. they got to stay back over there. But I brought you over because you're identified with me. You come down to Mount Sinai, and I put up perfection. And we say, well, it's nice visiting here, but we know we can't be saved by the Mosaic Law. There's no way. So it's time to start heading back north towards the promised land. I trust that for those people back there, I don't think they heard. I don't think they heard. Real quickly, would you just turn very quickly to John chapter 1 verse 17. I was blessed because the children on Wednesday night, one of those kids quoted John 1 17. It's just a quick verse, but oh, it says so much. Let's just see, John, I Pretty sure that's one of the Gospels. I always get it confused, you know, with the table of contents. <laughs> Behave yourself, Sheila. <laughs> John 1 and 17. Now, after what I just shared with you, what the Word of God shares with you, look at John chapter 1, verse 17. Oh, we talk about a contrast. For the law was given by Moses. Yes. He gave the people the demand of the law. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He didn't give a demand. He delivers us through the law, not a demand from the law. There's so much in that one verse. Aren't you glad today that you're covered with the blood of the Lamb? And when God, on your judgment day, and of course, you're not going to be judged for your salvation or your works anyway, but when you stand before Jesus Christ, the Father says, Yes, Son. I see you in them. I see them in you. Welcome home, my child. We need to move on. Let's go now from Mount Sinai. There's five and six. And uh, these two go together. So I'm just going to give them to you both right now as to to write down on the map. Number five is the wilderness in an area of the desert called Paran, P-A-R-A-N, the wilderness of Paran. And then number six, not too far away because, you know, they were out there going around in a circle for years and years and years, so they didn't get real far. Number six is the wilderness of Zin, Z-I-N. So, if you got that jotted down, we go to number five. And number five, as the picture we take, we take a snapshot of a word called rebellion. Rebellion. Let's go to number 13. Numbers 13 is they're getting real close. They're at this place called Kardish Barnea. And they know those Canaanites are up there, and they want to know what they're facing. So in chapter 13 of Numbers, they select one individual from each of the tribes, and uh, they're going to send out these spies. Now, because of the time, I'm not going to read through all of this, but you're, you're there with me in Numbers 13. Starting in verse 3, we go down through the tribes, and it runs over to verse 16. But there is one I'm going to look at, because it's going to play a part at the end of the message. Go on to verse 8. In the selection for the spies, it says, Of the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, the son of Nun. And it goes down through the rest of them. And when we get to the conclusion of these names, in verse 16, there's a little addition, something different. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. He changed his name. Nowhere in the text does it say anything, and here's why. No, we're just told that, but hang on to that. Now, that is the recruitment of the spies, and they go up and they spy out the land and so forth. Now we want to pick up of the same chapter in verse 27, because we go from the recruitment now to the report. And they told him, and said, "We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey." And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched into the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which... Come of the giants and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers and so we were in their sight now we go from the report now we go to chapter 14 to the retreat and the full rebellion and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried and the people wept that night And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in the wilderness, and wherefore hath our Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, and let us return to Egypt." This is their desire to retreat and to leave and head back to slavery, head back to condemnation, head back to Amenhotep II, their good buddy. Total rebellion. Now, as we look at this rebellion and we look at the next one here going up, this would be an area for us in our day. They've they've left the law, already identified with the blood of the Lamb. They're to understand that their good works can't save them. So now when they leave the wilderness, they're headed to the promised land, and they're going as what we would call here today an area of sanctification. Okay? Now may I say to you, we look at those people that totally rebelled, we've got to remember there's a difference. Because Hebrews chapter 4 says the preaching of the gospel did not profit that group of Jews back in that day, because it was not mixed with faith. They were rescued out of Egypt, but they never trusted the Lord God. They never did. And that's why they had to die in the desert. There's no way they could cross the Jordan into the promised land, which would be a picture of what we're talking about today for us as heaven, as unbelievers. Welcome home, says God. You never believed in Jesus, but come on in anyway. That's not going to happen. So there is rebellion there. Now, let's just see here. Are we there? We want to go to Numbers 27. Numbers 27. Hmm. Leave it to me. 16 to 27, I see. Okay, no, no. Let's go to Numbers chapter 20. Excuse me. Now, on Numbers chapter 20, number 6 on the bottom, the wilderness of Zin. So here's going to be another rebellion of sorts, but it's going to be transitional. In Numbers chapter 20, you see there, I want us to go to verses 7 through 12. give you a chance to go there if you're not there. In Numbers chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. The people as a whole have already rebelled. At that time, if you read further on, Moses and Aaron fell on their faith, and again, beseeching God to to show mercy. But now another event. We come to this year, they're not with me. 20th chapter, the 7th verse. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together. Thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. It's one thing when the congregation of Israel don't keep the law. It's really bad when the one who's the lawgiver can't keep the law. That just shows that this thing of the law isn't going to accomplish what the people think. Even you and I, I want to just tell you this. If you're saved here today, and you know that you're covered with the blood of the Lamb, and your place in heaven is reserved for you, Raise your hand if from the day of salvation you've never committed a sin. Do you know what? Even when we're in our area of sanctification and on our way to heaven, every sin you and I commit is a rebellion against God. And all this saying, well, I don't, you know, it's a little, is Sin is a rebellion against God. That's why we're saved by Grace. So the question is now, Moses is the one who talked to Pharaoh. Moses is the one who was the agency of the plagues. Moses is the one who leads them out. Now Moses is not going to lead them into the promised land. It's kind of like, there's going to have to be some kind of a transition, some kind of a change. What's going to happen now? Well, I will tell you, for us, when we have our rebellions, and God's always looking for a transition in us, And that the more we're in Jesus Christ, yes, we can still sin. But hopefully as our years go by, and every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before, we will sin less and serve more. We will be coming a little bit at a time, more and more, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And so we need to come to this This transitional thing, Numbers chapter 20, we looked at that. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31 because we asked the question, no Moses? He's not going to bring us in? Well, he's going to go most of the way, but the reason why he can't lead us in is he's going to go on top of Mount Nebo and God's going to take him home. He can't lead us in because he's not with us any longer. So in Deuteronomy chapter 31, this is the end. Moses knows that he's going to be leaving the scene soon. I want to read into your hearing very quickly. What is the transition? Who's the replacement? Deuteronomy 31, verses 1 through 8. And Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel and said unto them, I am 120 years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. Also the Lord hath said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. The Lord thy God will go over with thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord hath said. And the Lord shall do unto them, as he did to Sihon, the Og king of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. The Lord shall give them up before your face, and ye may do unto them according to unto all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong and have a good courage. Fear not nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and of a good courage, for thou must go with this people into the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord he it is that go doth go before thee. So the man is going to be Joshua, the guy who used to be called Hosea. But remember, Moses changed his name. Why? But now his name is Joshua. Finally then, for the last one in this last section, number 7, which is glorification. Turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 3. So if you're turning to chapter 3 of Joshua, here's the list of the places. Egypt, Ramses, Red Sea, Mount Sinai, the wilderness of Paran, where the people rebelled, the the wilderness of Zin, where Moses rebelled. And finally, we come to number seven, the Jordan River. The Jordan River. So Joshua chapter 3. They're up there now. Moses has gone to be with the Lord. And I would just like to read into your hearing. This is going to be, I'll go quickly. They're there right now at the Jordan. Chapter 3, verse 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they Uh, removed from Shittim, and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. Verse 7 through 17. I'm going to read this because this is all the way. This is the completion of all the way. For these children of Israel, when they cross the river, they're in the promised land. The idea for us as the way that we cross over the river is that we die, unless we're part of the rapture, and we step over into glory. That's why we have glorification. Verse 7, the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know, That the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters and that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they bear the ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bare the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. That the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap, very far from the city of Adam, that is beside Zeratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bare the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Just like it was coming out of Egypt, the Red Sea parted. That was their leaving of condemnation. And now the river Jordan, same God, reminding the children of Israel... It's not the same man, it was Moses, then it's Joshua now, but don't worry, it's the same God. Same thing happened. The Jordan River stands up on a heap, and they walk through. Now I close with this. Why did Moses die? Why did Moses change his name? Because in the picture from what we've took of the historical event of the Jews, and bring it to our day, you can't have the picture brought up to our day, and have Moses go across the Jordan River, because nobody goes to heaven through the law. Doesn't happen that way. So Moses went by, and Hosea's name was changed to Joshua. And here's where I close, something for us to understand. His name earlier, talking about Joshua, was Hosea. And that name means he had saved, in other words, Yahweh. Moses changed his name to Joshua. In English, Joshua and Jesus are two different names, but not in Hebrew. It's the same name. Whether it's Jesus or Joshua, the name is Yeshua. Yahweh is salvation. So in number seven, when the Jews crossed over to the promised land, or when you and I cross over when we die into glory. Joshua is the picture of Jesus. Same name. Not Moses, but it was Joshua. It was Yahweh. It was Jesus, same name, who led them over. And from start to finish, from when we were lost in our sin without hope, we've always been identified by the blood of the Lamb. We were saved by the blood of the Lamb. We're identified by the blood of the Lamb. We understand. Maybe when we were lost, we thought our good works would get us home. But the Holy Spirit reminded us through the Holy Word. No. It's by grace alone. It's through Jesus alone. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me. Through the blood of the Lamb is our means of salvation. Even in our, sa- our sanctification, we'll rebel. We will sin. There needs to be an ongoing transla- translation or a transition in our life and my life. That's true. But whenever the rapture comes or whenever we close our eyes in death and we cross that Jordan, there'll be one person and one person only who got us there. And that'll be the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the places we go. and it's the pictures we take. And he leads us every step of the way. Let's pray. Father God, I trust this morning of this look at the Jews 3,000 years ago And of those of us who are here today on our journey in 2023, it's the same God, it's the same message. It doesn't change.